Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, y'all? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast. I am Samantha Berbidi, a fantasy analyst here at the Action Network. We would absolutely love it if you could take the time to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts because we will be calling out our favorite five-star reviews right here on the show. Every reviewer we call out will receive a free Action Pro account for one year, a full year. So be sure to leave those awesome Apple Podcast reviews and keep listening to hear us shout you out. So today, I am so lucky to be joined by the one and only Daniel Dopp, host of the Fantasy Show on ESPN, producer and co-host of the infamous Fantasy Focus podcast. Uh, He is here with me today to talk about everyone's favorite position, which is running backs. Let's just jump right in to uh, Tyrion Davis-Price. So Kyle Shanahan has quite the reputation of driving fantasy managers nuts with running backs. Obviously, addition of Davis-Price sort of muddies the water for people who may believe in Elijah Mitchell last season, obviously lost uh, Moser, but um, you know, like how do the 49ers rate for you in terms of landing spots? As almost low as you can get. Like I have them with like a D. Um, I wanted to give him a D minus, but I thought it would be nice. (laughs) You're so nice. That's a new question to you. Do you? (laughs) <laughs> I just, I, I don't know what to freaking do with him. What do you, what, what am I supposed to make out of a, another 49ers running back taken in the third round? Here's he's, he's, if that he's average, like that's the thing. He's, he's not a guy. I don't think that he was unbelievably spectacular or athletic while he was at LSU. He didn't do anything to show that um, t- at least in the stuff, the, the tapes that I've watched, the highlights that I've watched and going back through, I haven't seen anything that, that tells me this is a guy that's going to be a game changer here in San Francisco. The positive just like it was for Ken Walker, is injuries. 49ers running backs have just had a hard time being able to stay healthy. And both uh, Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr., they're both hurt. They don't even want Trey Sermon on the team. And so it feels like that would be the path to Tyrion Davis-Price. But I have 
almost zero interest in rostering him in redraft this year because I just don't I don't see that path. And and 49ers running backs are just maddening to figure out. They yes. just are. Kyle Shanahan, I just can't do it. Like, do you remember Jamichael Hasty? Like, do you remember ah. these, these times where we're like, we're, we're, you know, like he's the guy that gets like 12 carries one week and then he is completely ghost. It's like, and it's gone. So yep. uh, it, it's obviously very frustrating. Debo Samuel ended up siphoning a lot of carries away towards like the last eight games of the season. I We don't know if that's going to be sustainable or something that's going to continue or anything like that. But yeah, to your yeah. point, I mean, like, I don't know if Trey Sermon ran over Kyle Shanahan's dog or something like, but what the hell happened there? Um, obviously a prospect that I was ex- fairly excited about going into the season last yeah. year. And then it's the Elijah Mitchell show. So, um, you know, yeah, it's like some of these guys, it takes one injury and like, it's very clearly their backfield. This is so muddy. Like if Elijah yeah. Mitchell gets injured in the first week, I don't know, like it could be Jeff Wilson Jr. I it's, it's going to be some weird committee. So um, the rushing upside on this team could be higher with Trey Lance, but I, yeah, like to your point about him as a, as a prospect himself, he was a top recruit coming out of high school. kind of just fell flat though. Like uh, in, in terms of college, like a lot of the combine drills, he was not exciting about seventh percentile and vertical jump. 39th percentile and broad jump. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not super high on him. Uh, do you have any player comp for Davis price? Uh, no, <laughs> my player comp is Trey Sermon. <laughs> like uh, like they, that's they drafted Trey Sermon <laughs> in the third round, a guy that I don't think was like unbelievably athletic to begin with sort of yes. just like a guy like, yeah. Okay. Trey Sermon. I'll take that. I'll take it. Yeah, it's just like, I think I've seen this movie before. Uh, if you drafted Trey Sermon in Dynasty last year, you might as well double down and draft Tyrion Davis-Price and hope that one of them gets on the field. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so give me one prediction about his year one for fantasy. Um, he will not be relevant within redraft leagues in fantasy. And I think that's my only prediction. Yep, I, I'm pretty much with you there. I am... Uh, I'm selling Davis Price at his current ADP of RB65. Let's say you. Yeah. Give me yeah. somebody else that has more upside or a potential yes. chance or a path that I think is clearer than what he has. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, let us just move on to another scintillating uh, franchise that is uh, Brian Robinson of the Commanders. He's obviously going from a system and culture of winning at Alabama to the Commanders. Uh, so, yeah, yikes. Uh, so, how does Washington rate for you in terms of landing spot for him? Oh, that's tough. I don't like Washington, but I like also Antonio Gibson hasn't really, like, he hasn't just taken that job and absolutely like made it his own in a way, not in a way that I feel like is just, um, you know, unquestionable. So I don't think that it's a bad spot. They have JD McKissick, who's going to be their pass catcher. They have Gibson, who's going to be their number one. And Brian Robinson comes in and looks to be a guy that while he is a decent pass catcher, he's going to be that physical, feels like the bigger physical running back within this trio that from an NFL perspective is going to be more valuable to the Washington commanders than I think he will be in a fantasy perspective to us fantasy players for the Washington commanders. I agree. I mean, Ron Rivera obviously does not care about your fantasy team. No, and I just recently read an article on ESPN where Rivera said that he has the perfect trifecta of guys, um, you know, you feel really good about in terms of mixing it up. Uh, yep. And they also referenced that like Rivera 
really loved the committee that they had in uh, Carolina when they had Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. So having those kind of guys that sort of complement Stewart being more of like the bruising running back and D'Angelo Williams being more of the pass catching type guy. So I can certainly see where he's trying to like create, like model that mold. Um, but yeah, in terms of general player evaluation, I mean, he can catch passes, has that physical build to sort of be uh, a problem for opposing run defenses. In, like, what do you, what do you feel like for him? I also, I, I feel like Ron Rivera saying that he is the Jonathan Stewart of those two things is like a real stretch. No offense. <laughs> and like, I just need to see it from Brian Robinson. And as someone that is a Panthers fan, Samantha, like, I know that you know enough about both of those guys. But that being said, as a player evaluation, he is a guy that, that will be able to come in, spell Antonio Gibson, <clears throat> be able to offer them valuable reps. But again, he is an NFL running back that will give them NFL value from a fantasy perspective without there being an injury, either to J.D. McKissick, so he's got to pick up some of the passing game work, or maybe Antonio Gibson picks up some of the passing game work and, and Brian Robinson picks up you know, some different, different down work. Uh, I, I just can't see a real big fantasy a real big fantasy season in the cards for him. Yeah. I mean, he was a guy that was just buried on the, the tides depth chart for, for years. And it wasn't until 2021 where he actually did get like that full sort of workload, 1300 yards and 14 touchdowns in that year. But I mean, he was playing on teams with that had Najee Harris and Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs and stuff like that. And he was just never the guy that like stood out. What worries me about him is just like his, the style of his running is like unrefined and very physical. So like that puts you in a situation where like, you're probably going to get injured. And he knows it. Like he says, like, I Uh choose to be physical. I wear down defenses, like, and then I use my size and force. And like, that's not, that doesn't necessarily like make a great uh, recipe for fantasy or anything like that. Um, There's not very many running backs in the NFL that have been able to do that successfully for long-term, like unless you're Derrick Henry who just got hurt. Like he's the, one of the only other guys that's just like, yeah, I'm just going to run you over. Like it it wears. Derrick Henry has like, Two inches and like thirty pounds on fire. Yeah. Robinson. Yeah. So, I mean, like, not most people are not Derrick Henry. So, uh, but yet, speaking of running backs that come to mind when you think of Robinson, anyone? Oh well, hear me out. But Jonathan Stewart, I think, is real <laughs> close. <laughs> uh, I like you know, it. I like it. I I think when I look at Brian Robinson, I'm looking at a guy. This is probably going to sound terrible, but um. There are parts of his game that remind me of James Tolbert, where okay. decent pass catcher, a little bit of a bigger guy, right? But could also be that, that guy that would, could run between the tackles. Um, I think that's where I'm at with him. I don't know as though he's going to have much more, you know, he's going to be an, I think Brian Robinson is probably going to be an NFL journeyman more than anything else. Nothing against Brian Robinson, but I think he kind of compares to someone similar to that who uh, has that limited skill set to be able to help a team. Yeah. And a lot of these player comps, I'm not necessarily, I am certainly not saying that I think that they will be this oh, no. player. I've it's never just, no. I, I, giving people an idea of like the type <clears throat> of style. I mean, I couldn't really come up with a good one. So I certainly could see him being the second guy in a good situation, but I, I don't know. I mean, like the commanders are a really good situation in my opinion. So give me one prediction about Robinson's year one. He will finish last on the team's depth chart in fantasy points. I mean, he really does. He, he'd need to have a major injury to get to Gibson there. No, yeah. 
yeah even then I just it, it's not exciting like he's not a guy that you're going out to spend 100 percent of your fab on in week no two no way JD <laughs> McKissick is absolutely way more just catching passes like he's way more yeah. valuable so like he's he's very clear the number three in that in that running back room so are you buying or selling him at his ADP of RB 64 Sell, 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 <laughs> sell, sell, sell. Well, on that same topic of guys who ended up in not great systems that we're going to move on to Damian Pierce. Uh, so the Texans have the projected win total of about four wins this season. Um, that's the lowest projected win total might not bode super well for positive game scripts that favor the run. We've kind of talked about that with the Jets, but this might even be worse. Um, so tossing the fact that they've got Marlon Mack, they've got Rex Burkhead, like guys that could definitely take carries. I don't know. Where do they rank for you in terms of a landing spot? I, I have them as a B plus. Okay. Um, in all honesty, I know that you're not a Damian Pierce fan. I'm excited <laughs> to have this conversation. Uh, I am not. And listen, this is just as much about the situation as it is about Damian Pierce for this year, but 31 sure. year old Rex Burkhead, while a fine football player does not offer me uh, much reservation when I'm thinking about which one I'd rather have. Same with, Marlon Mack, if I'm being honest. And so the idea that I think he has a clearer path to touches, just given that that offense knows that they are rebuilding, that offense knows that they are not contending this year. And so that's going to definitely potentially hurt fantasy value, especially of the running back position, given the fact that when they're playing from behind, they're going to be throwing to the guy that just catches a thousand yard seasons every year and Brandon Cooks. But I do think that Damian Pierce is going to be the future, at least right now. They want to see if he can be the future at running back for this team. And so as much as Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead are going to be there and they'll be useful, I do believe this team is going to give Damian Pierce opportunities to be able to succeed. And with Davis Mills under center, who looked better last year than a lot of people were ready to give him credit for. Absolutely. Yeah, like I, I think that there is at least a chance that Damian Pierce is a similar to like I said earlier, like a low end flex play towards probably the middle half back end of the season as he gets ramped up in this offense. Biggest question mark is just going to be Texans being in games. You know, are they, are they going to be in, in pass heavy game scripts because they're down so much given the fact that their win total is so low and that's, you know, a thing you got to factor in as a part of it. So, but long-term I like Damian Pierce quite a bit more than I like in redraft, but in redraft, I do like his value more than the last two players that we talked about just because of his path to potential playing time. Yeah, fair enough. I gave the Texans a B here, so I'm not as negative on Pierce or the Texans. Okay. I, I do I do certainly think that like there's a very clear path to him winning the job over Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. Um, he's not a sexy name right now, but certainly a name to keep an eye on in terms of like your waiver wire early on or something like that. I don't, I don't know that he'll go drafted in every single league, but I, I think that he has flashes of things. He's, he's got that grown man physique that we were just mm-hmm. talking about before. Um, he's, he's been described as, by scouts as a violent runner. Um, my only thing that maybe like I'm not super sure about is that he's had nine career games with 10 or more carries. So his usage in Florida just wasn't, something that like profiles as, you know, that workhorse back. So, uh, you know, for you, what do you think of him as a prospect? I am. That is a thing that I'm nervous about, right? We're talking about what it is that he can be for this team. And if he hasn't had that workhorse back mentality to be able to come into it 
at the pro level, right? And I and there are players that are able to do this. Alan Kamara, I think, is is one that like really stands out. But um, guys that maybe didn't have, well, unless I'm wrong on Alvin, I hope I'm not. But guys that I don't think had as much um, production or as much time at college, and then they come in and it's like understanding that you were not that workhorse back against these level of players. Do you think that you're going to be able to come in and now do this thing that you never did in the first place, but against another extra tier of how good these players are? And so that Damian Pierce aspect, while he he didn't have that, I I am really hoping, I am really hoping that the Houston Texans are like, you know what? Let's give the ball to Rex Burkhead because that just seems like it would be real fun for us to do. Like, <laughs> it's no, it's nothing against Rex Burkhead, but like, like Damian Pierce has at least the potential to be able to be something in this league. You know what Rex Burkhead right. is going to be. Like, yeah, we know what he is already. Like, that's right. fine. We don't have to see anymore. And, and, you, and no offense to Marlon Mack, but like you are a team that is rebuilding as a Lions fan that has gone through a bunch of rebuilds. I promise you, when you take some of these players, you're looking for this fourth round player to be able to hit because now you've got a four-year contract that you can keep around for quite a bit longer. The Lions did that with Theo Riddick, who was great for them from that standpoint. So. Although I think he was that's how rings are won, you know, leader absolutely finding those guys. It's it's diamonds in the rough. But um, which player comes to mind when you think of Pierce? I'm going to give you some, actually. And yeah. uh, you tell me if you like any of them. So I've got David Montgomery, uh, Alfred Morris and Mark Ingram. Any of those guys sound right? I like David Montgomery. That was going to be yeah. pretty close to what mine was like. He's not super good at anything necessarily yeah. he doesn't stand out um like but it's not Montgomery's a volume guy like he has yes. to that's basically like what i think pierce would have to be to be productive and i think that what is the bears win total this year do you know i'll look it up but why don't you talk all right so because that's that's one of the things that i'm curious about because when i think about the bears too with david montgomery like their offense while they have justin fields under center they're also a team that that really struggled last year. And so I think David Montgomery is a really nice comp when you look at the styles, not necessarily the way that they play offense, but the fact that both of those offenses could struggle this year and the running backs could have similar type of roles to each other. Fair enough. I just looked it up. Uh, the Bears win total is um, six and a half and the under is juiced to 120. So that's where, <laughs> I mean, they don't have a ton of talent on that wide receiver room. That's really where I'm concerned about them. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. good point to bring up there. Um, so yeah, uh, give me one prediction about Pierce's year one for fantasy. Ooh, I think Damian Pierce is going to have, um, I think Damian Pierce will finish top 30. Okay. I think he will be a top 30 running back in fantasy. So I assume you are buying him at his current ADP of RB55. I would buy him at RB55. I think that like ideally he'll, uh, I think that if everything works out, all, all things considered, again, because they are a rebuilding team, you don't need to know what those guys look like. Okay. So uh, I love the idea of being able to have him because if I just, I'm not, I'm not thrilled by Marlon Mack or, or, or Rex Burkhead. I don't know how else to say it. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying just based on the upside and the path to potential playing time. Fair enough. I, I think that he's definitely worth taking a risk on. And when I say risk, that's very relative risk. At, RB55. at 55. So yeah. yeah, you're not, that's not a lot of draft capital there. So I, I, I certainly see it. All right. 
We've got two guys left. We're going to move on to Samir White of the Raiders, the other member of that Georgia running back committee. Um, so talk to me about the Raiders because the AFC West is an absolute unit. Uh, gets even margin- marginally better with the addition of White, uh, who could be, I, I mean, is this is this is more of an indictment of Josh Jacobs that I just I don't I don't really I'm not like sold on him, but I mean he's not he's also not the only guy there. So um, you know how do, how does Las Vegas rate for you is, is as a landing spot? Uh, after they didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth year option, it ranked very high for me. I have him as an A minus. I certainly feel like that's got to be in a like a signal that they're he's not obviously long term, and Kenyon Drake is in. And Brandon I, Bolden. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think the the fact that um, that offense also in general, like you, just the AFC West is just going to be unreal. And so mm-hmm. the amount of scoring, the amount of opportunities there, I am interested to see the way that they're going to do this split. I don't like Kenyon Drake, um, just personally as a as a running back. I'm not a big Kenyon Drake fan. Nothing against him as a person. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, I don't know him as a person, but just as a, as a fantasy thing. I, I Matthew always like does this thing where he's like, I don't like this guy, but just as a, I just want to make clear, like, so now my brain does this too. Um, but so funny. I, uh, I don't know with Josh Jacobs, how they're going to utilize him this year, understanding they didn't pick up the fifth year option because my fear is that by not picking up the fifth year option, they're going to say, all right, well, we're not going to have you on your team next year. So guess what we're going to do? If we're trying to make a run in the NFC, AFC West, then we are just going to run you into the ground because we're not worried mm-hmm. about you past this year. We don't need to worry about your contract or what your body is going to be or, and like, not that it's that callous, but the idea of when you're not doing that and you have that player, like that player is more of a commodity to you for this year than it is a long-term prospect. So I think that is my fear for Zamir White in this offense, at least for 2022, even though the long-term upside of them not picking up his option is what it is that has us excited about this. So that's kind of where my head's at, I think on this, on this landing spot. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, the, the Josh Jacobs thing, I I certainly am using that as a signal here. Like, it feels like he's, a, that they're just not sold on him. So I, I think that Zimmer White was actually one of the more complete type guys coming out of college. He just really didn't have that whole workload. We've been talking about that a lot and with, with James Cook sort of there, although he was taken two rounds later than Cook, like some scouts actually think that White was the more complete player of the two. So. I think that he he's just an interesting guy. He's a former five-star recruit out of high school, just wasn't much of a receiver, like wasn't in that role. And he's got two ACL tears on his curriculum vitae, one in each knee. So there's certainly durability concerns. Anything to add in terms of your evaluation of him? I think that's why, you know, he fell, obviously, when you have those ACL tears, because yeah. um, when you look at the rest of it, you know, he, he looks and runs like a, a nice, a real nice piece, a real nice running back. Um, man, fingers crossed. I would love to have, I would, I'm not a huge Josh Jacob stand. So I would love to have Zamir White be able to take over there. Yeah. I I mean, I, I like the way he, he profiles, um, someone that comes to mind when I think about him is maybe Joe Mixon, similar sort of body build and, and running style. So, uh, do you think that's a good player comp or did, who did you have for that? No, I like, there are aspects about Joe Mixon's game that I think are, he was one of the guys that I had. Um, that are close to that. And I think the hardest part for any of these comps for me is just specifically with um, Zamir White and with James Cook is just like we have, I, as somebody that doesn't 
when I watch college football, it's not during the college football season, just because like my football life is NFL football, 100%. right? percent. I totally get it. Saturdays are like my only day off. So. Yeah. It's like the only time that you have to breathe. And and by the way, while you're breathing on Saturday, you're also like getting 6,000 texts from people and still like planning all your Monday right. content like, or Sunday content. This guy or this guy. Yeah. There's a, it's a, it's a lot, but so in watching a lot of this stuff after the fact, there's just so little to be able to look at for somebody like me. I, for these guys that I don't have as much college tape on, I really rely on others that are, are really good at this to be able to, um, you know, take a lot of what they've had and then try to project it forth from, from my perspective. But Zamir White is a tough one for me just because I have, I personally have not had, a, you know, there's not as much tape on him for me to be able to watch as much as there was of Brees Hall and Ken Walker and, Totally. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say because it's like, what are they going to look like when they don't have that other piece of the committee? Will they just like sort of figure it out? And do they still yeah. have that skill set? They do. They were just never asked to do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's it's certainly a little bit murkier for a guy like him. Um, you know, for year one for fantasy, I think this is going to be some kind of committee which will probably render him more useless than anything. But um, I think that like this is really more of a, a 2023 type play for people Agreed. that are thinking of sort of keeper or dynasty like that. Um, are you buying or selling him at his ADP of RB 73? I mean, at RB 73, I, I can't, yeah. you, it's like, how do you not buy? Because if, again, if Josh Jacobs gets hurt and I have the number one running back in an AFC West offense right. that like, hammer gonna, those overs, by the way, like, right? Like, all come of those on. Games. <laughs> yeah. like I think that RB 73 is just too low given that, but yeah. very like, you're not drafting him with the intention of probably being able to use him most any weeks, unless there is a path to clear playing time. I agree. I'm buying him there. I mean, dirt cheap at 73. All right. Our final guy. I'm so sorry. I've kept you so long, but our final guy is going to be Isaiah Spiller. No, no relation to CJ Spiller, by the way, but uh, the bolts are a solid landing spot in my opinion for Spiller. Obviously he, he like, so he was not my favorite RB out of this class. He's a polarizing type guy. There are some people that had him at like the top of their board, um, but, you know, not my favorite, but he could be an interesting foil for Austin Eckler on that depth chart. So how do they rank for you in terms of landing spot? So as a landing spot for him as an NFL player, I think it was a really nice spot from a fantasy perspective. I, I think it's less to me. I have him projecting out as like a C plus C C plus mostly because Austin Eckler is going to continue to be the guy while Isaiah Spiller, this is, and you mentioned earlier in the show, you were talking about some of the comps that you had, um, Le'Veon Bell being one of them. And Le'Veon Bell is, I think, tough to be able to compare people to as a comp because he's such a, the things that he did is just different. And that offensive line that the, he had was, was really special. But he was a slower player. He was a guy that tested slower. Um, and that's a big thing with Isaiah Spiller. Like his 40 time was a, was a 4.640 as a running back. And when you look at that, that's not the kind of explosiveness that you're looking at a guy that you know, you're going to put the ball in his hands behind the line of scrimmage. But some guys well, you know, just... I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You go. You go first because we, we can go back and forth here. Oh, I just... I thought you were done talking. I'm so sorry. I was just going to say uh, another person who ran a four, almost 4.740 was Arian Foster. So yep. jumping ahead to my player comp, I'm just, I'm just saying, yeah, there are guys out there that are not going to be the best at like wind sprints, but like right. there are obviously other intangibles. Go on. That's I am I, uh, a thousand percent. Arian Foster is another great comp. Um, 
some of these guys just play faster. And like, I know we say this, everybody says this, you've probably heard it a million times on every other show, but some guys legitimately just have faster playing speeds than they do 40 times. And that's okay. And it's also all right. If someone just like, listen, if Isaiah Spiller runs a four, six, three, but he's really good at a whole bunch of other stuff. I promise you the difference that 0.2 seconds in his 40 yard time is going to get made up by all the other things that he does to be able to help the chargers win football games. Now, I don't know if what that's going to mean for him as a fantasy player, as a number two behind Austin Eckler, he'd have to have to win that role pretty much solely, honestly, solely because of injury. Um, But he would, he's clear in a way the number two, I think in that offense. And so that, that is a positive, but his playing path to playing time is very limited uh, other than just spelling the top five running back in front of him. Sure. I mean, I, I, I'm with you that Austin Eckler is going to continue to be the guy. And I, I don't think Spiller's going to challenge that, but I also think Spiller is probably the best guy that they put next to Austin Eckler. Oh, like, yeah. you know, I mean, I think, I don't think it's much of an argument to say that I think that Spiller could definitely be better than Joshua Kelly or like Justin Jackson or anything like that. And I think that he could have a role. He's a, he's a very physical type guy, great between the tackles, dangerous in sort of goal line situations, needs volume. So he's not like, he's not perfect, but he, you know, he's a fourth round type guy. So um, yeah. I certainly think that he could be a little better than his uh, 40 times suggests. Here's, so a, here's me, a question for you, yeah, Sam. Go for it. I'm looking at Spotrack right now, or however you say this. You know, is it? How do you say the the when you I look say up? Spot track, but you say Spotrack. I don't know. Is it Spotrack? I don't know. I've never. There's not like a pronunciation guide on the website. I wish well, that there what? was. But looking at it, um, yes. Eckler's contract ends in 2023. His <laughs> year 28 season, so he'll be getting a new contract heading into year 29. So he's got two more years ahead of this. The idea of Isaiah Spiller being able to come in and learn behind him through those two years. I don't know. You know. I'm talking long-term dynasty, obviously not, not redraft here, but I don't think that the uh, chargers with a long-term contract at a 29 to a 29 year old running back is a thing that right. you know, like potentially he's getting like cards. a one or two year contract at that point, like 29 right. and you, you're ancient in terms of running back of so. running backs, which is just crazy. Yes. So yes, I, as a fellow 29 year old, I can, I can say, Oh my gosh, we, you're 29 we, now. We fall apart at 29. So are you buying or selling Spiller at his current EDP of RB47? So that's significantly higher than a, a number of these other guys that we've spoken about. I'm, I'd sell. Yeah. I just, I, I don't see, unless I, unless I drafted Austin Eckler and I wanted the insurance back because he, he does seem like the clear number two, like you said, I'm probably not going to not draft Isaiah Spiller. All right. Um, my last question to you is, can you give me your top three? Ken Walker ahead of Brees Hall, which people think is crazy. I don't think that's crazy. And then I have Brees Hall and then I have James Cook. And then if I'm honest with you, like I'd probably go Damian, either Damian Pierce or Tyler Algier, who we didn't even talk about from the Falcons, the BYU runner who is, I just look at the Falcons and the idea that Cordell Patterson is 30, 30, 31 years old, something like that. Um, Yeah, they don't like year 10 breakout didn't expect that or whatever. Well, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like what's the, what is, what does it look like for a player when like you've played eight years in the league and then you have a breakout in your ninth year. And then what does the year after that look like? Like, where do you go from there? I don't know. Is your takeaway that like Arthur Smith is a genius or like, no, no. <laughs> my, my takeaway is just that. I don't think that when I look at, I look at Cordero Patterson, he's not the future of that, 
of the running back position there. Right. And not that I think that Tyler Algier coming out of BYU is, is anything crazy, but I do think that he has a much clearer path to touches. And if anything happens to Cordero, Cordero Patterson in that offense, mind you, probably not going to be a great offense with a lot of, you know, Marcus Mariota under center and they still got a lot of young pieces, but um, I like Tyler Algier in, in dynasty from that perspective, just because of that path to playing time. I feel like it's pretty much the same, but I could make an argument for white just because I I don't know how long Leonard Fournette's going to be around. So I I could see that being good. I could also see white being Keyshawn Bond 2.0. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of outcomes here, but um, all right. That will do it for this absolute unit of uh, rookie running backs. Daniel, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us on the show today. Please let us know where everyone can find you this off season and beyond us if they don't already know. Uh, yeah, so you can find me at Daniel Dopp on Twitter. On Instagram, I am at Something to Break. And you can see me on ESPN doing some stuff with, uh, like you said earlier, the Fantasy Show with Matthew Berry. We're planning another episode coming out here uh, in a couple of weeks. And then the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast with Matthew, Fields, Stefania, Mike Clay. Uh, we have a ton of fun. We're doing that every Monday right now um, until we get to August 2nd. So we are live every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, Twitter, the ESPN app, ESPN's Fantasy Facebook, and you can listen to us wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, so yeah, that's where you can find me. And I'm so proud of you and so stoked to be able to do this and, and uh, have you as a colleague in our industry. Thank you so much again for coming on. Um, don't forget to rate and review our podcast for a chance to win a free pro account. And we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex. Peace out, y'all. 